This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Pod Save the King! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, Zoe Forsey, and I'm joined, as always, by Russell Myers on the week that lots of people have been waiting for, the week that we finally got our hands on <laughs> Prince Harry's highly anticipated autobiography, Spare. And he uses the 407 pages of the book to basically take aim at pretty much every member of the royal family, making lots more allegations about his time in the royal family and also sharing some really nice details about, you know, kind of fun details of him, his and Meghan's love life uh, and kind of their first day and things like that. So, hello, Russell. How are you? Hello. I'm very well. I am sort of all, pretty much all harried out. But yes. It's, what a week it's been. I mean, just 407 pages. That's interesting because I've just got my copy here of the English version that we've read. And also we pretty much read the Spanish version as well, albeit through the translation. And there were 557 pages in Spain. So yeah, you know, so because I the thought that the Spanish language, I was writing that in all my stories. And then obviously kind of when I got the copy, uh, we were lucky enough to have kind of uh, preview copies from the publishers a uh, few hours before it came out. So Russell and I were both reading it desperately overnight, ready for when the embargo uh, dropped at midnight. And the first thing I did was turn to the pain character the page count and I was like oh god it must be the you know shorter words in English rather than mm. Spanish well now, I, I tell you what that's probably the most useless embargo ever isn't it because obviously yes. the, uh, the, the, the issue of what happened was um the the Spanish booksellers or, or certain uh, booksellers in Spain decided to to put it on sale um a lot of people saying that this was because there was a public holiday coming up and people give I've heard different descriptions of what it is. Some, some it's um, King's Day, another another term for this public holiday, but people give presents. And uh, and obviously this was the, the, the hottest book in the world right now. So they were a little bit naughty, but it did give us a head start. And amid all the sort of promotional interviews, and we had one on ITV with Tom Bradbury, who's known Harry for 20 years, CBS, CNN's Anderson Cooper doing uh, his interview on 60 Minutes, um, and then, uh, I mean, what else we had? Good Morning America, Stephen Colbert. Thanks to producer Dan telling me the correct pronunciation of Stephen, not Stephen Colbert, <laughs> as I've been saying. But um, pe- anyway, let's dive in. Where, interview. Do you, where do you want to start? Yes, so let's, start? we'll talk about the interviews and stuff afterwards, because I think they were really interesting, yes. kind of hearing him talk about the accounts as well as reading them. But just, just kick off generally then, what did you think of the book? Because I personally actually really enjoyed it. I think it's really well written. I think... Harry and the ghostwriter have done such a good job of kind of weighing up the the harder stuff with also fun memories as well. I like the layout. I like a book that's done in lots of little chapters, kind of telling each story individually. It's a real, it's a good one that you can pick up and put down again. If you know, it's a, it's a bits of it. I've not an easy read because that makes it sound like the content is easy, but you know, it's it's but not it's like an a enjoyable. Big, read. It's an enjoyable it's an, read. Yeah, it is. It's very very well written. J.R. Moringer has has done an incredible job of really articulating um, Harry's Harry's voice almost. You, the, his his voice spills off the pages, and whether it's sort of being angry or railing against the family or the press, or uh, talking about his love for Meghan and his children, his love of uh, his time in the armed forces, it really does resonate. And it's a it's a very enjoyable read. You can't you literally can't put it down because they're. 
I mean, when, when we were talking about how, how, this is what everyone used to say, how much more is there to say? We've had Oprah Winfrey, several uh, broadcasted TV interviews, Netflix series. I mean, this makes Netflix look uh, like kindergarten, doesn't it? Because there are dozens and dozens of genuinely jaw-dropping moments within it. Um, so, uh, and where to start? I mean, obviously, we had the, the first couple of leaks. The, the Guardian in the United States got a copy of it. They went in on the, the fight between William and Harry at Notting Cottage when Harry was pinned up against the wall, allegedly, by his brother, Prince William, ripping his necklace shirt falling open i think uh falling on a dog bowl cracking his back and and whatnot and um and pretty much being terrified of uh, of that altercation um which is pretty punchy and then we had i think it was page six on the new york post had the story about kate and william being res- pretty much responsible he was re- blaming them for uh, wearing that nazi uniform in 2005 uh saying that they howled with laughter so that really did, within the first 24 hours, um, days before the book was supposed to come out, give us a, an indication of how devastating this book was going to be. And it didn't miss. Um, it just kept going on and on and on and on. And they, they were pretty pointed, personal attacks on each member of the family. I think Charles probably comes off the best, even though he describes him as a, a fairly useless father. But... Uh, by his own admission, says that that wasn't his fault. His dad wasn't be- built for um, single parenthood. Um, he was very reflective um, when it did come down to it. And, and, and essentially, Charles said that he'd failed him as a, as a parent uh, when Harry told him of, of the struggles he'd been having, not only the, his devastation at losing his mother, but the drug taking, the, the fairly wild antics he'd been up to because his mental health was, was in such a, a dire state. Um, but Kate, I mean, Kate comes across as a pretty stuck-up, rude. Um, I mean, uh, we know that William had what did he call uh, Megan? Difficult, rude, and abrasive. Yes, and so I these think were the words Meghan, that um, Kate comes across like that as well. Was the, the story about the lip gloss and sort of scowling at her, um, gripping the chair with white knuckles? I mean, it goes on and on and on, doesn't it? Yeah. So he's shared details, which is something that. He has been criticised. Really private details of really tense conversations. So, for example, the the row that uh, you mentioned that was one of the first leaks that came through, talking about when uh, he accuses William of pushing him, so he fell into a dog bowl and kind of had cuts. Um, really gives details of that, and that was where the difficult, rude, and abrasive quotes apparently came from. That argument. He also details clearing the air chats the the fab four um as they were kind of labeled for about i think an hour and a half uh, when megan first joined in the royal family and um, you know sharing the exact details of kate kate was gripping her leather chair so tightly that her fingers turned white like they're really he's gone into a lot of details not only about his own life but about huge personal moments of kate and other members of the royal family um were you i wasn't expecting him to go into this much detail on those subjects i will admit i was really surprised when we got those first leaks on oh gosh whenever it was last week um and there's kind of all the details of it coming through and i was really surprised that kate took such a hit actually i thought you know we always knew them as being very close and i know that he's kind of you know made a few Maybe not digs, but maybe a few kind of veiled comments about, you know, oh, mm. we're all just expected to. What was the, I think the Netflix one quote was, you're expected to 
marry a, a mold, you know, a certain mold of woman. Yeah, get a, girl, felt- a woman who falls into a certain mold. I mean, yeah. listen, you can take it on two points. Let's say that Harry is being uh, searingly honest and he thought, well, I'm going to get everything down because in those moments, I did feel it was personal time. I mean, he does talk about his love for his sister-in-law and his brother and his rest of his family. He talks about 100% recollection still on the cards, wants to be able to get on with them. I want my father back, want my brother back. I definitely uh, assume that that Kate falls into that category as well, because why wouldn't she? But he's got everything down in this book, and it has been like one big therapy session. I imagine he has found it pretty cathartic because he he hasn't held back at all. Um, and on the other hand, you could say, well, these are pointed attacks to make to damage the perception of William and Kate and other members of the family. I mean, Camilla comes in for an absolute bruising. He refers to her as potentially being a wicked stepmother. He says that she was a villain, that she'd been uh, allegedly colluding with the press in order to whitewash her own uh, reputation. Yeah, campaigning campaigning for the crown, I think, was a really strong term. Yeah, pretty, pretty punchy. And it's, it's almost a description of what those situations embodied. So you've got William and Kate at one set of the, the room, sitting in these little throne chairs, or just single chairs, in uh, a room at Kensington Palace, which is where they live, arguing, having a screaming match, Kate not really getting involved, because I imagine you can't really imagine, you can't imagine her ranting and raving, can you? So William pointing at Meghan, that isn't how we do things down, uh, here in Britain, and her saying, get your finger out my face. I mean... You just have to envisage the four of them going at it. And um, remember when they had that that, that uh, meeting on the stage or that introduction on the stage of the Fab Four during the Royal Foundation um, event and, and they both had this nervous laugh uh, when they're talking about arguments and, and what the relationship was like. And it seems all all was not well from from the off. I mean, he says that um, William and Kate were were certainly not welcoming to Meghan. They bought into the trope, I think he said, actress, American actress, biracial. uh, And that was, they were parroting the press narrative. The one thing I will say, I mean, it is absolutely extraordinary how much Harry goes on and on and on about the British press. There seems to be the British media are at fault for absolutely everything within his life. And his sheer obsession with it went through to the um, to the interviews as well. And, and just we'll come back to the interviews, but that, I think it's important that point when Tom Bradbury was discussing his drug taking and you know, marijuana, magic mushrooms, cocaine. And says to him, do you, do you not accept that doing the, the third in line to the throne or whatever you were then was uh, class A, taking class A drugs was a matter of public interest? And he, t- he, he doesn't break stride. He just shifts it and says, I think what is a, a matter of public interest is the relationship between the institution and the British media. And, and that, that was a, a huge vein within this book, um, even though it is beautifully written and there are some real issues that I, I felt sorry for Harry. I did. I, th- I think he's had a terribly um, tough time with his mental health and struggles of his grief and being able to find his way in the world. But he, he blames the British media for absolutely everything that has gone wrong in his life. And, um, I, and I, I don't think that's the, the full story, is it? Uh, you mentioned briefly then he speaks about uh, his drug use um, and he does that quite a lot. Uh, he goes into details about uh, claiming to have taken uh, cocaine when he was 17 at a hunt p- hunting party, uh, but admitted it wasn't very fun. He describes in 
real detail uh, bad trips he had when he was on magic mushrooms um thinking a bathroom bin was a, a smiling figure um he also talked about whispering to a fox um and smoking lots of weed with his schoolmates and watching family guy in someone's room um and forming a strong bond uh, with the stewie one of the characters in family guy <laughs> so there's all these I mean, little I was, details i was quite surprised that he's still smoking still smoking weed and that's quite an admission because i thought that the uh, I mean, it was labeled leveled at Megan, wasn't it? When he was not drinking throughout her pregnancy with Archie, um, and he admits to smoking weed when they're at Tyler Perry's house in the states. He's pr- pretty. I know it's legal in California, but I, I, I do think people will find that surprising. And, and again, searingly honest um, is very, very. I, I suppose, yeah, he should he should be applauded for this honesty because it, it, it it's not a half asked book and if you're gonna put it out on the table then you might as well go with both barrels right so i think yeah, yeah i, mean, I have a lot it, i cannot say just i can't see a way back i mean that's the 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 overriding thought from this back book the the king will no doubt be willing to forgive him he's some people who work closely with the king say that's that will never change it's his son he loves him very much I think he he will feel that he has had some responsibility in that sense. Like Harry said when they had that dinner meeting and he put his knife and fork down and said, I failed you, I should have got you the help um, beforehand. And Harry can concede that it wasn't his fault. And I think that well, I think William and Kate will, will find um, some real issues with this book. And it's only a few months. I mean, the coronation will come around very, very quickly. There's a big, big question mark over whether Harry will come. I can't, I can't. I can't believe for a second that he will come. Another thing that Harry talks about in great detail is his time in Afghanistan and his, uh, you know, the, the tours he did. His whole time in the army, he, re- you know, he writes about that. You can tell how passionate about he is, which we've always known. He's spoken about that in interviews before. He was quite heavily criticised by this initially when we saw the links, the leaks, because he gives his, the you know, talks about the number of people that he's killed and obviously that the Taliban then put out a statement and in a very bizarre turn of kind of events that happened last week um but people have now come back from that bit having read the full uh you know he was really criticized for talk you know almost he was accused of boasting about his kill number yeah. and describing well, them as uh, chess let's pieces just take this, let's let's take this apart okay so in the book Harry does speak and it's a very very moving passage and talks about that he wasn't necessarily proud of it nor shaken by it that his kill number was 25 one would have assumed it was many many much more than that multiples in fact being a gunner in a, an apache helicopter but um he goes on to describe the, the, the war as unnecessary and just uh being wanted to be able to do go to bed every night thinking that he'd done the right thing um and, and it's a it's a, again another searingly honest passage I do feel in the sense that the context that it ended up in all the papers and all the the media was kind of missed because of this translation from the the Spanish textbooks, which we got last week. But I I can't get away from the fact that the former top brass within the armed forces have all heavily criticised Harry and said that not he's putting people in danger by talking about that. It's not just like a normal soldier talking about how many he's killed. And even the, 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 the former, the veterans have said, nobody goes around and does that. However, 
um, some of those comments were pretty harsh. You know, he's, he's, he's traded. Tra- it was one of the Lord West or um, one of the other former generals saying, you know, he's essentially traded trashing his own family for the only family that he's got left, and that is British forces. And, and that would have been particularly damaging and hurtful to Harry. But on the Stephen Colbert interview last night that I saw, he gave a really um, impressive explanation of it and saying it's he, he did it to alleviate the stigma of suicide within uh, and mental health issues within the armed forces. It's something that he, uh, he, he wasn't boasting about. He clarified that. The passage in it, when people do read it, uh, again, I think is very, very relevant to his journey and talking about how he's he's done it to try and exercise demons. So I would suggest that most people go and read it. However, um, I do think from speaking to former veterans that a lot of people did find it cavalier at best and, um, and, and, and pretty careless not only to his own security, his own safety, but to the safety of his family and former um, servicemen and women as well. So something to consider. It's not all black and white. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the issue, isn't it, with Harry a lot of the time? Uh, he also, re- kind of for me, one of the most moving sections of the book was when he discusses the moment that his dad, uh, King Charles, came into his bedroom when he was... Uh, a child and told him that mm. Princess Diana had been killed. Um, he writes about that with the real kind of, it's interesting because he writes about it with the raw emotion, but also the kind of the looking back and reflecting on it as an adult. And he kind of talks about, did he say this? I don't know. I don't remember. Um, but he, you know, he says, describes how his dad called him, calls him darling boy and how he didn't believe that Diana, what, you know, Diana had actually died and always believed that she was going to come back, which just, I found extremely, you know, extremely upsetting. Mm, Yeah, it is. I mean, again, He's just absolutely scarred and tormented by it, and I, and and of course, one would have expected Harry to go into real moving detail about losing his mother and and how his family, his brother, reacted like that. Somebody um, posted something on Instagram I saw yesterday, and it was an interview. I think this the interview was from the twentieth anniversary of Diana's death, and it was William talking about that. He he didn't want her death to affect him so much that he couldn't then look back and her be proud of him and that it didn't um, scar him in a way where he wasn't able to move on with his life. And unfortunately, Harry really does seem like he is the complete opposite of that. Everything he's done, everything he strives to do is as a result of the um, the, the sheer tragedy that he suffered. Um, but he, he's had a lot of, he's had a lot of therapy and you can tell that he talks about that. Um, his brother's, so that's a pretty pointed uh, part as well. His brother talking about the fact that he, he believed he'd had too much therapy. He was scarred by it. Um, that's pretty hard to take when, when William is again, a big mental health advocate. And it just tells you that, that the, the real fractiousness between their relationship has spilled out to every single facet, unfortunately. Um, I, I, again, I just come back to this part of Harry desperately even believing that there is a way back after this. Um, the, 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 he wants accountability. He wants reconciliation. But I, I don't think he takes enough accountability for him, for his own actions. And the lack of introspection, even though this book is very, very honest, it does seem to want to blame an awful lot of people rather than 
and take responsibility. And in that pot, by that remark, I mean, if he had said, yeah, we did things really badly at times. We said things, we acted, we, we, we wish we could have turned the clock back. We probably, and I think I said this last week, we could have, we would have ended up in the same situation, but um, yes, of course we, we made mistakes. And they're, they're, that is so lacking in the book. I think that the, the obsessions, whether it's the media, the family, the alleged collusion between the institution and press um, just really rings through throughout, unfortunately. I think the only time that I recall him admitting to having made mistakes was in the ITV interview. But even then he says, yeah, we did make mistakes, but I've asked my family what the mistakes were and they won't tell me. So even that Mm, is mm. kind of, he's saying, I have made a mistake, but he's still blaming somebody else for not knowing what the mistakes are, which, you know, as a one-off is fair enough. But again, it just kind of adds to this, yeah, I, and I and I don't doubt for a second he has tried to bring the family to the table. Um, but again, the, the frustration. I, I don't believe William William comes across as a bit of a hothead, doesn't he? And that, mm-hmm. that is pretty damaging to his reputation. Grabbing him by the collar, grabbing him by the shoulders after Philip's funeral, saying, "Listen to me, Harold. Listen to me. I love you." Um, There's just sheer frustration on all levels. Frustration from Harry and Meghan that they weren't. Meghan wasn't getting mental health help. Um, there, Harry and Meghan wanted to leave. They were very unhappy. The frustration of obviously is boiling over from William because he realizes how this is all going to play out, and it's all it's all going to end in tears. Um, and that's that's why that's why it is. But saying that, Harry does look pretty happy. He told he has told the um, Anson Cooper and Tom Bradby, Stephen Colbert yesterday how happy he is, and. For the first, I thought he looked pretty tense within the first two interviews. But now that the book had come out, Stephen Colbert's interview, he seemed very relaxed. And it was kind of like, well, the damage is done now. It's all out there. It can't get any worse. The reaction to it has has been fairly expected. Um, Maybe he was expecting a different reaction, but it was always going to be pretty explosive, wasn't it? Because was that one live then or recorded after? Because obviously so many recorded of the other after. interviews... So, it was so called, right. yeah, I, I, don't, I haven't checked, but I was told on maybe Friday, or the, what day went Tuesday, I was told on Friday that it still hadn't been recorded. So one of our American so cousins yeah. can tell us, but it, it hadn't been recorded on, on Friday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe... Is it live? Is it a live show? should check this, really. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, but maybe it was... But it, he says the last few days have been pretty tough. Uh, won't lie, it's 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 obviously. So it's more of a, a reflective chat. Bit of a rough yeah. ride. Well, it was definitely. It's, yeah. it's, it's been a bit of a rough ride. Now, just before we move on to some of the the nicer stories that he shared in the book, uh, just to kind of finish off this section, he speaks a lot about his grandmother, the Queen, and claims that he found out that she'd die by looking at uh, the BBC's news website which was different to what we believed at the time was it because we knew obviously he didn't make it up to Balmoral with the rest of the family there was uh, Prince William Prince Andrew Prince Edward and Sophie Wessex I think got that uh, jet up didn't they to kind of rush to hopefully see her before she passed away and we know that he didn't make that flight uh, but I think we kind of I can't remember if well, we had assumed we if we all knew that he'd knew, been yeah. told. I yeah, mean, he had absolutely been cast aside, hadn't he? He'd asked his brother what was happening, and then an hour later, he he'd heard that they were on their way. So uh, I, I I think it was a case he didn't even get a call back, did he? And then when he landed, he spoke very very movingly about 
he found out on BBC News that she'd passed away. So he was of, he was in the air when it, when it was happening. The announcement came at half past six. Um, we know that she'd already died. I mean, that's that's unbelievable that he, one would assume he, I think he got there at seven or eight o'clock, didn't he? And then mm. the rest of them had been there at five, that he, he hadn't even been told before he got on the plane. So that's, that, I think that's particularly hurtful. And, and again, shows you what an outsider he was in, um, and continues to be, I, I would imagine, because the not telling him that his grandmother had died is, is, is very, very hurtful. I think that's, it's just awful. And it's, it's a complete, obviously a completely different, you know, to even make that comparison. But I know that, you know, that when people, when normal people lose loved ones, mm. people will often say, can you, don't put anything on social media yet. We want to make sure we've told everyone just so yeah. that, you know, you don't find out that someone is well, they passed don't away trust on him. Facebook. I mean, but they, yeah. I just story this week about the lack, complete lack of trust. That's why they're not um, engaging with him at all because they do not trust him and they don't trust Megan and they don't, um, I mean, he has published text of text messages between her, uh, between Megan and Kate. So why on earth will they? You know, the book speaks for itself. But that level of detail about private conversations that that he has railed against his privacy um, for, for for so many years, and and now to put it all into a book, it's one thing saying that this is the truth. This is uh, my my story. It can only be told in my words. And there's another thing of talking about intimate private conversations and talking about your private parts yeah. as well, because that was one of the most shocking pieces of the book. I mean, good Lord. Well, I'm yeah. sure William won't be ha- too happy about that. No, exactly. Uh, but just, yeah, let's move on to that, actually, because I... <laughs> yeah. I'm sure so, everybody's heard enough of um, Harry's frostbitten penis. Yes. So I, we don't need to go into... Uh, into, t- into more detail. So that was that was at Kate and William's wedding, apparently. So when he rocked up there and we all saw him, you know, in his kind of military uniform standing by his brother, he had possibly other concerns on his mind uh, as well uh, as yeah, everything else. He, did, yes. <laughs> he also talks about kind of in some of the younger stories, he uh, discusses uh, losing his virginity to an older woman in a field behind a busy pub. Um, he talks about having his first cocktail with the Queen Mother um, and taught her how to do a... Ali G impression, which well, was that? That was the Queen doing the Ali Oh, I thought impression. it was the Queen. I thought it was the Queen Mother. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the Queen. Oh. Um, anyway, I mean, I e- love these. Either works like, quite well in terms of the story. Does, I'll take definitely. both of those. <laughs> well, and really funny. I mean, that come uh, some of these mess, these passages are hilarious. Said he, he he was riding the the woman he lost his virginity to like a young stallion, and that she slapped him on his bosom, sent him on his way. Um, as he said to Tom Bradbury, it was only four lines in the book, but of course there was an awful lot made about it. And when you're going through the de- the devil is in the detail, isn't it? And he, and, and, and he certainly uh, he certainly did, didn't miss that opportunity. He also gave some really cute details about kind of their life in. Um... America talks about when Lilibet was born, saying that he delivered Lilibet himself, uh, obviously with the doctor mm. who was next to them, you know, giving guidance and talking them through, which was really lovely. Uh, obviously, when Archie was born, there was so much kind of privacy around that and they didn't give any details, but he's now discussed it, uh, talked about how he got his security guards to get him a Nando's when Meghan was in labour and he was pinching her, uh, the you know, the gas you get and you know having little things that's, that. that's what, i thought that was unbelievable because the the nurse came in and they he'd absolutely rinsed the nose 
the nitrous oxide. And so um, <laughs> I said that to my wife and she said, if you'd have done that, I think I don't think we'd be sitting here now. I think I also think that might be the difference between an NHS, having a baby on the NHS and having yeah. it privately, <laughs> that I reckon it probably wouldn't have gone down quite as well. And um, he says yeah. that uh, he, they also gave details of Archie's you know, the, the meeting with the Queen, um, which I thought was really interesting because, there, you know, there were, you know, the reports that there were fears that they would leak details of that meeting with the Queen and mm. they have now leaked details of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but he says exactly. that Archie gave a perfect little bow when he met the Queen, which was very Aww. cute, um, which was really lovely. Uh, I think, listen, I think people will read this book and have, um, have a, many takeaways from it because it is... As I said, it's searingly honest. It is fabulously written. It's Harry's own words. Um, interesting. Let us know because let, we, we will put. I'd love to. I'd love to get some reader comments on this next week and really delve into it. Because do people think that this is there a way back for him? Will his family read this? I mean, he talks to, to, to Tom Bradby saying, "If my." If my family are reading this, I basically want to bring them to the table. I want that opportunity to reconcile with them. I miss them in my lives. I miss the fact that my children won't have their cousins and their family in their lives. Uh, we obviously know that he's still very close to you, usually. And so that's pretty much his only link within the family at the moment. I'm sure Zara, Zara gets on with him um, and Peter Phillips. But as far as his closest family Archie and Lilibet's cousins um, from the Wales' side, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to see a reconciliation in the, uh, in the near future. So let's talk a bit more about those interviews because I know we've kind of mentioned them. So the first one mm. was the ITV, uh, which was with, uh, you know, Tom as you Bradbury, said, yeah, Tom Bradbury, a, close a, a, friend. A very close friend. I mean, Bradbury was a royal correspondent back in the 90s. He's known William and Harry for, for a long, long time since then, became close with both of them. And then kind of um, took a side by doing the interviews, the, the documentary with the uh, Duke and Duchess of Sussex in Southern, Southern Africa, which was the start of the bombshells when the wheels came off, wasn't it? When Megan was talking about very real things to be going right through behind the scenes. Thanks for asking. Nobody's asked me if I'm okay. And, uh, and then William and Harry's relationship was laid bare about how fractious it was. And I think that's... The beginning and the end. I mean, by the Christmas time, they were already in Canada. Then in January, they dropped the bombshell that they were leaving. So he, um, he's he been able to put their side of the story over. And, I, I, and I'm sure that William isn't too pleased about the fact that Harry and Meghan have chosen him to to, to just say what they want, really. And there's been a, there hasn't been a lot of um, opportunity for the Royals to, to hit that because they were never going to respond to this. I think once the... It's very different to the Oprah Winfrey interview because there were two main ref things that the racism and Megan feeling suicidal and, and abandoned. But this has just been dozens and dozens and dozens of issues um, and events that would need picking apart. So what, there is nothing to be gained, is there, by them coming out and, and, and trying to refute even a few of them because everybody were, were then 
pile on the pressure and say, what about the others? And so much of it, a kind of instance we've like, if I hear anything more about that Blooming Bridesmaids re- dress rail. Oh, I know. I'm, I'm so, and even it. Harry said in the interview, I think we're on version 25 of this now. Like I'm just, yeah. it's so, you know, lots of the points were kind of just slightly different accounts of things that have already been reported. So actually said there weren't that, you know, there wasn't that kind of big I've accusation. S- I've seen the tailor who fixed the bridesmaids' dresses that sparked a row between the Princess of Wales and the Duchess of Sussex ahead of the royal wedding, has said he did not witness. So even he's talking about that. I'm thoroughly bored of yeah, this story. Of all this, yeah, and, and it, it, it is what it is. It's two women who had an argument. We probably won't know the full story. It was. It's, it's an argument. Some, yeah. Somebody thinks somebody else did something wrong and they haven't let bygones be bygones, so... Exactly. It's, and it's where it keeps getting pulled up, it, it will never go away. No, <laughs> um, but anyway, so back onto the advert. So obviously the interview was, you know, we know that he and Tom have been friends for a long time, but Tom did bring him up on quite a few points. He said, mm. you know, um, he asked Harry questions about, well, you've always, you know, talk about privacy and how important that is to you. But now you're sitting there and publicizing details you know it's fair enough talking about yourself but he's sharing details about Kate and William and other members of the family who haven't given permission for this to be shared um Mm. and he also kind of Harry hit back a few times there were a few tense moments in it like well in that I think that um he said the the bit what really stuck to me was when um Tom Bradbury said you've been pretty scathing in your attacks of Camilla and he looks at him as though he's just oh, he just said, him, no, I haven't. He? Yeah. He says, no, I haven't. Scathing? No, how do you mean? I mean, he, like we said earlier, called her villain, referred to her as him thinking that she was going to be a wicked stepmother. He talks about sacrificing him on the altar of public, the public relations. Order. I mean, this is pretty punchy. Yeah. He I also met, and there's also lots of smaller digs. Like, oh, well, five minutes after I moved out, she changed, you know, like she converted my bedroom, which is very much a kind yes. of stereotypical, <laughs> mean stepmom. Yes, exactly. And painting out. painting her yeah. as this sort of uh, woman who was just in it for herself, that she was just obsessed with um, whitewashing her own image. Um, yeah. Bored but during then, their but first it, meetings, but, wasn't interested but, in them. Begging their father not to marry her. But then also, but he in, this, in, in a, another breath, he then says that they get on very well and it's very cordial and he was very happy for his father. They are happy together. I do think this is a red line for Charles. I think that he will think that going into that level of detail. Listen, office, it's fairly obvious that they probably did speak to him and didn't want um, him to marry Camilla. A lot of uh, kids in that situation would be fairly similar. I imagine as young as they were. Um, also, the fact that perhaps they don't get on. I mean, that's no, no real surprise. But I think talking about her as the villain talking about her as this obsession that she had to just whitewash her own um, image, getting into bed with the devil. I'm sure that's a pointed reference to the fact that she's done multiple issues, uh, multiple interviews with the Daily Mail, um, who Harry is, has, is, is engaged with long-running battles with. So um, I, do, I do think that will be one of the main issues for, for Charles to overcome um, and whether, whether he can overcome that because – we are led to believe that that was the red line in it, in quotes. That's uh, that's what Harry had been had been told before this book came out. Now it did seem there was a slightly different tone to some of the American interviews. Obviously, the ITV one was kind of very serious, just and it was more kind of talking about his royal journey 
generally. Um, obviously, there was the Late Show interview, which was a lot more celebrity. He was doing shots of tequila. He was greeted by kind of, you know, trumpeteers all dressed up mm. like, you know, old royal staff. Um, but the Good Morning America uh, one had some nice lines about the Queen in as well. Didn't I say nice, but, you know. Well, I think it was a bit more considered. It was a l- less jovial, again, recorded before uh, the, the furore of the book, I assume, because it, was, it wasn't necessarily reactive, whereas Stephen Colbert's um, interview was. At one of the key moments, I think that he, uh, he said that they, again, leaving the door open to return, that's pretty big because talking about we would love to come and support the Commonwealth. If our, my father asked me, we would be, the door is open, we'd be willing to sit down. Um, I think he was pushing back on the claims of hypocrisy that have been levelled against him, saying I can never get out of the family. Even though this has happened, I'm still in it. Um, I liked the line about the the Queen. He said she knew what was going on, but was not as upset or angry. Although that kind of does, it's in contrast to what he'd said about her in the Sussex summit. He said that she was basically just sitting there and and watching her family row in front of her. Um, And also he has, he always accused of being asleep at the wheel, really, that the, that, that she was the not the driving force but behind everything that was happening. I think people will find that quite interesting. Also, I said said that she was she was not angry about was what was happening, and he'd always gone to her and told her and been honest about what was um, what was on his mind. Um, the, 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 it was very tense. I thought the Good Morning America interview, as as was the sixty Minutes interview. The Stephen Colbert in, um, chat was a lot more relaxed. A lot more measured. I think people would add some tequila. Than, that was maybe that's yeah, the way to do it. Exactly. Start a winter piece of tequila. <laughs> but but rather than people thinking, oh my god, it's Harry just going on and on and on again, I think people will think that's a different side to him. Doesn't he look more relaxed? He's probably had the world of his weight on, on his shoulders. Um and maybe maybe as Omid Scobie did say on one of the UK shows, he thought that they would have um a period of reflection now and just sort of fade off into the background for a, at least a few months i imagine i imagine if they've got any sense that's what will happen um until after the king's coronation and then we, we might see them pop up on another netflix series that's my uh, that's my bet i wonder if it would have been quite nice for him to have done a fun uk interview so obviously america had the serious and the fun the uk only got the serious and i know it wouldn't have maybe quite fitted but maybe it would have been nicer for uk audiences to have done like a you know like a graham norton or jonathan ross or something like that to do the fun lines from it and to see because you you know the first thing you said was he came across so well it was really fun but we never get we didn't get to see fun harry who everyone loves so much through any of this promotion stuff you know what? I think that might be on the cards in the future, but Ooh. it's all been a bit serious because, not that I know it at that at all, but I, I could see that happening. I could see something, him having a, a relaxing few months, coming out and it, the dust settling for a bit because it's all pretty fraught. We need to get through the coronation, maybe in a, in a few months' time, a year's time, whatever. Because he came across really well and he might, and he might, want to then clarify his position by saying i have no regrets i, d- I did what i needed to do my, my family were my priority and um you know the palace the, the, the institution wasn't willing to change and i and i wanted to change my lifestyle that's what I, I 
I, from a PR perspective, I do think there's still a lot of love for Harry in this country and across the world. I think people see him as quite damaged and mixed up. Um, but with that, there are certain issues that the royal family need to tackle. And whether they will or not, we, we'll see, won't we? Yeah, so how do we know anything about how they've reacted to this? We saw Charles went to church as normal over the weekend. Uh, we know Kate did the school run today. Uh, George, Charlotte and Louis' new school term uh, kicked off uh, today. So today's Wednesday. Um, but the, you did a story this week, didn't you, of your kind of uh, sources telling you that it's very much business as normal. Yeah, well, we're going to see the King out and about on Thursday. Also, William and Kate are doing an engagement in the in the north of England. That's all I can say about that one. But it's, again, a big community event, both out on the same day, which I think is in very interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely um, a kind of out in force. You can picture our headline absolutely. now. We're ro- out in force to support, yeah. Spreads everywhere. Get loads of traction rather than drip feed it. Go out, um uh, sort of uh, a united stand, as it were, as how it was um, described to me. Uh, I think that stands to reason. That's a good idea. Um, I think me moving forward, there's going to be a lot more working together. Not, I mean, maybe working together on on uh, projects and what have you. But those sort of targeted attacks on um, trying to work work with with communities across the UK. Um, will whether we should uh, it leaked yesterday in France that Charles and Camilla are going to Paris or Fr- are going to France. Uh, certainly, will be in Paris at the end of March. That's possibly okay. going to be the King's first trip. Our closest neighbour. Um, I don't think there's any major surprises in that. Uh, so yeah, let's 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 see what happens. I mean, it's very much business as usual, but they would say that as well. No doubt they will have been hurt by this. There's some real personal references leaking of personal conversations attacks on their character of course they will be upset but i i, I do think um people will move on won't they? they they whether they hold a grudge or not is remains to be seen but they'll deal with it in-house and um I, I, again i can't i can't see harry coming back for the correlation and i i can't imagine he would be invited for christmas put it that way because it's a case of even if they we now know so, you know, the, the thing of the royal family is they are that kind of, um, they are this kind of, you know, you don't know too much about them. That is part of what makes them royal is they're that mystery mm. and their kind of thing. And now we know details of his sex life and, you know, like all of the really personal details. And it's that case of, can you have both sides of it? You know, you, you I don't think it's possible to do both, surely, in terms of combat. But yeah, and you completely understand in terms of they must be really upset about it because not only is it kind of betrayal of trust, it's always, also whether you whether it's true or not, it's embarrassing. If someone gave details of like yeah. a moment that I, you know, even if everything with Kate is true, you know, a moment that I kind of like lost my rag and shouted at someone, everyone does that. And if someone had kind of told the world about it, you'd be mortified. Um, and so, you know, there's kind of two two parts to it from my mind that they've got to kind of come to terms with but it'll be really interesting to see how they get on at the engagements uh, later this week and it'll be nice to see them again because obviously start of the year we haven't really seen them too much since the Christmas break so very much yeah as you said back in force back out together and see what happens. Hmm.
But yeah, so make sure everyone, yeah, make sure everyone uh, heads out and buys a copy of Spare because it is a great read. Uh, I also think it's a good read whether you're a big Harry fan and even if you're not a Harry fan, I definitely think it's worth reading because it, you know, it gives a different side to lots of stories, which is important. But thank you so much for joining me, Russ, um, and thank you to everyone for listening. As always, we're on social uh, at PodSave on Twitter and Instagram. And until next time, PodSave the King. <laughs> <laughs>